Listen up. Welcome to the PowerShell Podcast. It's going to be an intense, kind of scary ride. The podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm host Jordan, along with the anchor that gives my soul license to soar, Andrew Plaw. Had to do that one after you tried to call me out last week. Jordan, I feel happy now. That's a, that's a great way to start it. We're on a positive foot. It's been, right. a, it's been a good time. We're just getting back on our end from a little bit of time off, some time with the family. Excited to get back into some PowerShell stuff, man. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while, right? Almost two years. Yeah, we were just talking about almost two years. You know what we need more of? What's that? Feedback. We need to know what we're doing right, what we need to do better, what segments we should think about adding, any feedback you have. We're actually, (laughs) Jordan, would you believe it? Coincidentally, we have a podcast feedback form. How We would really love to get some feedback. Um, It's in the show notes. Again, we want to make this show the best that it can be. So your feedback would help us do that, as we all know. Well, obviously, I'm perfect, so I'm sure there's feedback for what you can do better, but ob- no reason on me. I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for it to be all about like uh, what I need to do better and how great you are. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, seeing the two of those primarily. So yeah, fill that out, everybody. If you want to chat with us, there's a PowerShell channel in the PDQ Discord. We'd love to chat with you there. Always nice to talk about episodes. If you have any additional questions or suggestions, always willing to field them there as well. But Jordan, let's get into some cool PowerShell news because there's been a few exciting things. Are we going to start with Iron Man software? Yeah, there was a CVE announced for PowerShell Universal, um, which definitely updated if you have it. Um, but there was a cool little disclosure from PowerShell Universal that goes over their timeline, their process, pretty transparent and cool to see, um, but also a good reminder to update. So yeah, the timeline was fascinating to me because from the time they were alerted to the patch being out was four hours, and then a week later, there's a CVE assigned. That's that's some rapid turnaround. That is fast, man. <laughs> there's also a PowerShell 7.4 GA has been released. Woohoo! I'm always for more general availability. Yes, make it all generally available when it's safe to do so. Link in show notes to both of those. There's also a cool blog by Sid500 about searching for empty folders and deleting them. Nice little use of PowerShell. I think pretty common problem for a lot of different people who do a lot of different things in IT. Cool use of PowerShell. Great, especially if you're newer, to kind of see, oh, how does this work? Uh, it's a simple enough kind of few, few lines of code that you can follow along with and maybe run, get some stuff done. I think cleanup is one of the most open to automation and, and quick value returns out there. So that's, that's yeah. a big one. And you know who else we have this week? Our MD boy. GRS. Yes. Always love seeing him. Um, he has a interesting blog post about module reloading, uh, which if you're developing a module and you're like changing stuff in the module, you got to re-import it. There's a lot of kind of um, hiccups and it can take a while. So he shows how to use restartable session module um, to automate the reload process and maybe streamline your development. Curious to hear those avid module developers giving this a try and, and hearing their feedback on it, um, seeing how it changes their process. All right, well, 
enough of us. Let's bring in the reason people tune in, the guest. Uh, today we have someone we met at Summit this year, back what was it March, and we hung out pretty much every night. As I understand it, there was some midnight Taco Bell. I was already in bed because I'm an old man, but you guys seem to enjoy that process. Everyone, welcome uh, Kevin. Wait, you weren't there for the tacos? Welcome, nope, Kevin. I, I slept no. through every taco night. Oh my gosh. Yeah, then there was a lot of them. Um, I'd, I'd wake up every morning. It's like, we did tacos again. It's like, I missed it. But We like fine dining. Once it, once it, hit, once it hits 9 p.m., there was some uh there was some discussion when I got back on on Taco Bell spend that week. <laughs> Priorities. Uh, I think over the course of the week uh and I was not the only person that purchased this but I had purchased somewhere between 6 and 7 uh of the party boxes of soft tacos. Yep. So uh, it's not not just the spend at Taco Bell, it's the time, right? You see Taco Bell ordered it 1 a.m. No, but that implies sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it was never that late, but uh, it got oh, pretty. Knows. It got pretty late, and I, what was really bad too is I think we were using DoorDash, and uh, it was never like, "Hey, send us four. It was like we finish one, order another one. We finish that one, order a third one. <laughs> Midnight tacos are just. The best, I think. That's when they, they, they hit they the test. Now, now this year, you just have it built into your budget. That's the way that's budgets it. work, right? Now that you've spent it on Taco Bell, that's expected expenditure next time you go to Summit. That's it. That's it. I've started a a, a jar, you know, money <laughs> for Taco Bell. Yeah. And shout out to Joe Hughes, because I think he mentioned uh, the Taco Bell crew. He, he did. And I think he mentioned you in particular. He did. He did. Uh, yeah, Joe and I have uh, gotten a chance to to speak a couple of times since then too. Um, he was supposed to to make it into my neck of the woods uh, at one point earlier in the year, and unfortunately, that wasn't able to to work out. But uh, I just I, I miss you guys so very much. I, I feel like uh, it was the right group of people where I needed it in my life and I came back a new person and, and really made some changes in my life that, that, uh, proved 2023 was challenging, but really good. That's awesome to hear, man. Cause this was your first summit too, right? So it was, it was. your first kind of experience. Have you done any other, um, hands-on conferences that had kind of the community feel that summit does? Uh, never the community. Uh, and that, that could very well have been my own fault uh, all these years too, because that, I mean, I think like a lot of people in this industry, I uh, heavily suffer from uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, counseling's important, guys. Get help. <laughs> um, but I, I never really interacted because I never really felt like I had a place uh, at the table. But then, you know, getting to talk with like you guys or Joe or Jason Helmick, uh, Grody. It's just uh, actually one of the big ones that I immediately took home uh, for work was talking with Yap uh, for uh, Azure functions. Uh, that has been an incredible journey since then. Oh, nice. There are two people that I think know how to convention really well at that. 
and Yop's one of them, but he does that all the time. And then, oh, I'm drawing a blank on it. I'm going to feel horrible about this later. But uh, who is it that starts the the early morning walks out into nature? And he, every time he gets a bigger crowd. Phil Bossman. Phil Bossman. I am so sorry, Phil. We even talked to you about this earlier this year. But those are two people that they don't, they go and they get the entire convention experience, but they also go out and get. You know, I remember outside. somebody saying something about it. It was like the second to last or last day or something, they were going on a hike. So he puts out a request for people that live in the area, say, where is one place that I should go visit? Or, and he takes all that. And every morning he, he keeps it open to anyone who wants to join. And then they'll just drive out somewhere that's either a hike or just go seeing the different sites he just goes and experience seattle like he does it right and i'm gonna feel like a monster for forgetting his name he's an early bird though like you got to be on the early bird train i think they're waking up pretty early to go to some of these excursions which is awesome really adds a a different dynamic to the trip it it doesn't lend itself to taco bell night it does not but one thing that i i said uh when i went out there is you know it was a decent bill for the company to send uh, myself and uh, Reese Duplantis, the guy who came with me. Um, shout out Reese. A, yeah. Shout out Reese. Um, it, I wanted to say yes to just about everything that I could, you know, uh, Reese said, Hey, they're doing lightning sessions. Yes. Hey, we're staying up until three o'clock in the morning and talking about philosophy. Sure. Uh, yeah. It so, was, intense you, you mentioned lightning sessions i don't want you i don't want people to miss out on the title of your lightning session because the title alone oh, is it's a sales don't skip arm day your bicep will thank you yes so I, it's azure research management and azure bicep it was that's that's it that title um, is amazing so uh i had a uh, a mentor when i gave my first uh public speaking uh session at sequel saturday in baton rouge um stacy vickner and he was my manager at the time and he said if i can give you one piece of advice name it something good because they're not going to read the synopsis if the title doesn't draw them in and uh that one uh that one predates chat gpt so i i no one can say that i I was using uh, AI to generate that. It was it was a heck of a title. I appreciate that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was a very fun week. So you mentioned getting some takeaways from Summit in that week and kind of it being transformative. Do you mind sharing some of those? Are those more technical? I know you mentioned Azure Functions, more personal, more community. What, what type of stuff were you taking away? Yeah, uh, I'd have to say the biggest one was, uh, was interpersonal, uh, you know, and me understanding me and how I fit in this grand scheme that you know this this machine of PowerShell that has come so far from where I had, I mean I think ten years ago I, I probably wrote my first stupid script and if I still had it I'd probably cringe looking back at it but um, learning about myself and and believing that what I have to say, even saying this aloud feels weird, but what I have to say has value. And uh, that's something I've struggled with my entire adult life. 
is feeling like, okay, let the adults talk. I'm, I'm going to sit here and listen. You know, I'm at the kids' table. Uh, but having that confidence, I, I, I held on to that as much as I could when I came back. And uh, we, uh, I, I work for a company, NetJex uh, is the name of the company. They are an online HR platform. Um, it's drastic oversimplification, but um, I, uh, we were purchased by another private equity firm, you know, got a huge influx of money and there was some pretty big shakeups uh, in terms of personnel. And I was asked to take over DevOps engineering manager. So this is my first managerial role and it is, Eye-opening. Uh, it's a lot of different hats. Uh, you know, usually I, I'm guessing by the time I get back to one of three different instant messaging clients, there'll be over a hundred messages waiting for me. But um, it's it's invigorating. It's exciting in its own right. Uh, I'm still. You know, I'm working with my manager, roughly about 15-ish percent of my job is managerial. The rest is a working manager. I always knew, I, I never wanted to step away from the tech entirely and just manage people. That's, that's great for some people, not for me. So based on the amount of home projects we got to <clears throat> see while you're out there and talk about, it, I'm not surprised that where you take all of the IT stuff at home and build out all that, that you would find it unacceptable to leave that behind at the office too. Yes. It's, it's invigorating. I like the challenge. Um, I, I want to learn how to, uh, to speak better with the developers that my DevOps team needs to communicate with. So I have to keep up with their technology, keep up with our technology, learn how to communicate the differences to them. And also uh, three people that all along, it turns out I've been mentoring to the point of almost managing. It's just managing in name now. I have to learn how to uh, approve PTO and time cards. That's fun. It is kind of nice, though. Like one of the things I enjoy about the community, I'm not currently a manager, but it's like having those relationships with people and being supportive for them when you can. Obviously, as a manager, it's more of a formal thing, but then getting to see them grow and succeed. It's so, for me at least, so invigorating and it's so exciting, especially when you're when you are able to be connected with like the purpose of your work and like the impact that it has. It seems like such a fun thing. I definitely would like to get into management at some point because I love that. Like in video games, I like the support role where I help everybody kind of do their best and shine. Yep. And I, I think that that's sort of what a manager does in a certain way. They're necessary. Just like in a support role in a video game. I mean, you can have a bunch of tanks. It's going to fail. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a bunch of, uh, as much as I hate the term, rock star developers. But if you don't have somebody orchestrating uh, it's it's not going to go well. Egos are going to get in the way. Yeah. And to your point earlier with some of your takeaways from Summit, you mentioned uh, realizing that your voice has a purpose. I think that that what you're mentioning about having different roles on your team and different personality types on your team. And um, 
understanding that every perspective is valuable makes it easy for me to value my perspective at least. When I'm able to see the value in someone who's maybe a beginner and see the value in the perspective of someone who's maybe an expert in the particular product or something adjacent that might have similar views. Like when you can see all that, you can, for me, it's easier to be like, oh, well, what I have to say matters too, especially if I'm communicating it in a healthy, productive way. Yes. Yep. And that's the key too, is, is the healthy and productive. Yeah. Um, I, that's, that's the part that, you know, it, everyone is going to struggle with. I struggle with too. I mean, cause mm -hmm. you get so passionate about this. That's one thing that people in our field, I feel do not have any shortage of is passion. If, if you're in it because you love this job and if you're passionate, Egos are in play, tempers can flare, and learning the importance of walking away and coming back and, and looking at it from that other perspective. Yeah. So have you come to any point now where you felt something was the right way, but you had an employee that wanted it different and they were compelling enough that you uh, let them run with their vision? Or is it pretty much you want to stick within a certain method? I So... Uh, being used to uh, being that code monkey uh, and having, you know, my set ways, you know, here's how I write scripts, you know, spacing tabs versus spaces. Do you align properties and hash tables? I've had to learn to let a lot of that go. And granted, I'm giving very trivial examples here, but um, because otherwise I take on more and more and more they're doing their job. I'm also doing their job on top of that. And I'm doing my job managing them. Um, so letting go is, is important. Uh, I haven't been in any uh, direct opposition. Uh, the guys that I'm managing now, uh, I've been working with them for years now. Uh, and it's, we're all just so very, very similar. Um, I had a, a hand in interviewing all of them from the start too. And I knew they were all fits from 20 minutes into the interview process. So we think alike and I'm very lucky to have people that are uh, as interested and as like-minded on my team. Nice. It reminds me, you mentioned earlier, like we had some late night convos about non-PowerShell things. I think we mentioned philosophy, some other topics, nothing too heated. But for me at Summit, that was a nice opportunity to practice some of these skills of like mm -hmm. listening to different perspectives and kind of really hearing them out and making sure that we as a group having a uh, conversation or making space for everyone's opinions. And it, to me, it was a good way to kind of practice that in a safe place with people who are mindful and trying to be empathetic and communicate well it, it was cool to see that um, and i think for some people who maybe work in toxic environments it's not that common of a thing to have people yeah. be able to listen and consider other opinions and things mm -hmm. I, I, i'm going to name drop one more person that i still to this day can't believe was so adept at that uh stephen judd mm -hmm. uh watching him him interact with uh, some out there theories over the course of these conversations. Uh, he really, he stripped himself of every opinion that he had 
before trying and uh, understood what was being said before trying to formulate an opinion or even a, a rebuttal. Right. Yep. And that's the type of stuff that we often encounter when trying to solve problems at a company. We have to make decisions. People have different perspectives. And you never know who's going to have a great insight that, that leads into the ultimate decision, even if their idea isn't the exact one you go with. Uh, their concerns about a particular thing can play into what you end up choosing. Very seldom, very, very seldom is there ever going to be someone making a decision for the detriment of something else or something you're working on. So understanding that is usually step one, at least for me. Yep. I'm not good at it, but it, it, it hardly seems felt fair that one person has extremely high IQ and EQ like that. I, I have a flaw, man. We all have flaws. <laughs> yes. I, for me, I like to think about emotional intelligence and communication, not because I'm really good at it, but just because I see the value of it and the work that I've put into myself. I've seen huge returns and seeing it in other people too. And then um, getting a job at a place where that's kind of valued culturally throughout the whole place. It's like been a bit transformative for me, at least uh, in my current role, at least and seeing how people communicate. I, I love uh, PDQ's YouTube shorts on uh, IT therapy, like the, the therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. it, it hits me a, a little close to home, but uh, yeah. Those ones are fun. <laughs> I, I, I want to see something like that at Summit. I think somebody said one year there was like a therapy session. But mm. I think that would be fun to have just kind of, not not a session, just sitting around at the bar afterwards, round table and, and talk about things that went wrong and, and things that hurt and how it made you feel and, and how you recovered from it. Yeah. So not, not to destroy the magic on this one, but in that entire IT circle thing, me and the person that was playing the therapist were the only two people in IT. Everyone else was from different departments. No, I mean... <laughs> Maybe that helps them see what they do to IT. We we did go to a bunch of theater majors. That's that's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Reese actually, uh, I know he spoke about it in the light, not lightning session, the uh, bar session uh, where you guys uh, we chatted with y'all. Uh, he did improv in college, so uh, he usually is way better at communicating in the moment than I am. Yeah. That's to say not in IT and that's not, they're not in the sysadmin role, but uh, Jake, he's the one that does all the editing of the videos. Like he's a very technical person and uh, JJ that I believe he's the last one to go. He, he wrote the code for automating a lot of our uh, webcasts that we do. So they're not in IT in a general sense, but they're very technically proficient. Oh, JJ, for sure. For sure, JJ is. He's written some PowerShell, some cool PowerShell stuff, too, like orchestrating a song on a bunch of lab computers. He did the Star Wars theme song for May 4th on yeah. 10 different computers, so each system beep was a different instrument. I love it. And, yeah, I love it. and to get it to work, because it was 10 different machines, you can't just say kick off at this time because there's too much variation. Like He wrote code to balance it all so it would all kick off at the right time. It was kind of like a sync pulse or something. Yeah, it was it was impressive. It, you can't see because of the blur, but that this uh, glowing here Ooh. is uh, a string of uh, 
programmable RGB LEDs Ooh. and we're buying a new house and I'm going to have a new office to decorate. One of the things I want to do is sync a bunch of LEDs because you can light up one individual for, with whatever color you want. Um, you have to send what's called a sync pulse. So very similar to that, uh, so that they're all timed identically. Nice. On the subject of like home tinkering, uh, we might've mentioned this. I think we did a bar session with you as well, right? Yes. And we probably talked about this, but you had this um, business card printer thing, right? It was like a small little Raspberry Pi that you programmed to yes. do some cool stuff. What was that? So unfortunately, it's been cannibalized for uh, actually that project back nice. there. So we're kind of um, seeing it still sort of. Kind of, yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of conferences ago, I forget exactly which one it was, uh, being the uh, less than social adept person that I am, uh, I wanted a conversation piece. Everybody brings business cards to a conference. Some people with a lot of money will bring like custom cards that you can fold or they're a little circuit on it. Um, I decided to take a Raspberry Pi and a thermal receipt printer. And uh, I never got the PowerShell working fully because I ran out of time, but it was Python that would create a business card and then add a random of like 30 DevOps jokes at the bottom of it. You press the button, it'd print it out and uh, they'd have like an interesting conversation piece. And uh, actually I just remembered the conference. It was Pluralsight Live in 2017. Wow. And uh, I actually spoke to uh, someone a few years later, uh, Corey House, he's he's big uh, in the front end, at least used to be front end React world, and he said he still had that piece of receipt paper. Uh, I don't know if he still does it or not, but it's it brought people to me and it made it me uh, made it easier for me to communicate with them, uh, broke the ice and. Uh, got to chat about something tech that wasn't really work related. I, I do love the discussion about all of the unique and varied business cards because I can't help but think of uh, American Psycho, where they do the business card comparison. Yes, the, the little, uh, monologue. Yeah, the monologue about the quality of the stock and what what version of white it is. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, IT has apparently our own version of it. That and the uh, raincoat scene about Huey Lewis lives rent-free <laughs> in my brain. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie, so I'm with all the other people who uh, don't get the reference, but I get it. <laughs> it, it it's worth watching, but there's a, it's about a five-minute thing of an internal monologue of him breaking down everyone's business cards and why he's better, and then has an absolute breakdown when someone has a better card than him. Huh. <laughs> Sounds like a stable individual. Well, the movie's called American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can connect a couple dots there. Well, that is fun. So, that why did you go to Summit? Like, how did you end up hearing about it? Are you been involved in the community online, seeing things, or so? Um, the the big thing, I, I believe, the person that first introduced it to me was um, 
my manager, Jason Shook. Uh, I'm talking about me wearing two or three different hats, and it's a lot. This man wears 12, 20 hats and keeps it going. At, like He keeps the lights on at NetChex, for sure. He was just recently promoted to VP of technology, which awesome job for him. Well-deserved. Um, he, uh, we do this thing called one-to-ones. Uh, I, I'm sure it's a popular concept, but every couple of weeks, uh, we just chat about personal life, work life, how we're doing. Not necessarily a DSM extended, but how are you? And uh, one thing that he would bring uh, on some of the more yearly based ones is uh, here's a list of conferences. Pick something that interests you. Um, and Summit was at the top of the list. And thankfully, we were able to make it. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, you know, spoilers alert. Uh, but hopefully, one of the two CFPs that I'm involved in gets picked up and I don't have to ask for money this year. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, I think it's still in your mind for hotel. Just still, <laughs> still for a hotel, but yeah, not for the actual conference itself. Nice. So you submitted a talk or? Yeah. So uh, I guess um, <laughs> uh, I did submit uh, a session for, uh, it's just me. It's, it's another extension on top of, uh, yaps last year on Azure Durable Functions. It's the it's called the uh, awesome title, the Durable Defenders powering up with Azure Functions in PowerShell. Uh, the entire session is superhero themed. I invented a uh, multiversal uh, superhero comic to help explain Azure Durable Functions. Uh, but the other one, uh, Andrew, <laughs> is something that uh, we decided to submit together. Uh, we, we went with the, the title in the, the Word doc, yeah? Um, I, think, uh, I believe so. I don't have the Word doc that you have. Oh, I think I do. I, I think double, I went with the same title. Double Trouble Conquering the Pair Programming Jungle with PowerShell and VS Code. I think I went for that. I don't okay. remember, but yeah, yeah. A, a nice pair programming uh, presentation with the two of us, pair programming. Yeah, and it's not just a tech thing, too, uh, lending back to what we were just talking about, how uh, to work with someone else uh, on yeah. pair programming within PowerShell. Yeah, I, think book, we're I can say on... from experience that Andrew's terrible to work with. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> no, we've pair programmed a bit. Um, I think that we're going to hit on pair or the idea is to hit on pair programming from the perspective of like, okay, you have a team of people who know PowerShell and you want to get more done, or you're looking to get more people doing PowerShell and teaching it. And I think we're going to do some sessions with people who are more on the beginner side and kind of see what works, see what doesn't work at their opinion and share all that feedback with uh, the viewers. I'm excited. Yes. Fingers crossed. I'll be there either way though. Yeah. I, I'm, Honestly, at this point, uh, even if NetChex uh, wasn't able to send me, at, at this point, what I took away from last year alone is enough for me to justify the expense. It's an amazing it's, experience, it's, it really is. It, it really is. I've been to conferences, like you asked earlier, but 
whether it was me not taking what I could have away or, or what, it's just this conference changed who I was as a person. It brought out, maybe not changed, but brought out uh, what I could have been all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real force multiplier and, and can really be a career changer. As you know, you're not the only person who's experienced that. I have a similar experience of a PowerShell summit in the community just being a game changer. Uh, in my life and career on the PowerShell level, on the personal level, because it's all kind of sort of connected uh, when it comes to actually getting things done in your career and life. So awesome conference. I know PowerShell Conference EU is another really popular one if you're in Europe. And if you don't have access to these, check out the recordings, get involved in user groups if you can, get involved in the community in whatever way you can, because um, this vibe or these principles that we're kind of talking about that are present at Summit are present in other places in the community as well. Um, you just got to kind of put yourself out there to be recognized and, and get involved in the ways that you can. Even if that's just leaving positive comments on blogs that help you. Um, do what you can to be involved in this community because you're not alone doing PowerShell. There's a lot of us dealing with similar problems, struggling in similar ways. And maybe there's some people who have solved what you're dealing with or can at least commiserate with you on what you might be struggling with. So this is important for anyone that wishes they're more involved outside of the sessions or is the first time going. If you want to be a part of all kinds of events you wouldn't know it exist, hang out with Andrew because Andrew's plugged into everything and he, he knows what's happening. It's, it's, he's, he's the guy to be around. Thanks, Jordan. Anytime <laughs> anyone needs anything, it's Summit. Always happy to help. My DMs, my messages are always open to if anyone who isn't able to attend Summit is still curious about something, always happy to connect people and uh, be there for anyone in the community that needs something. Because this community has done a whole bunch for me. So I'm always happy to pay it forward. And it's always a fun experience. It's really nice to be able to help people. It's very gratifying. Yep. I just need a couple extra hours in the day. And uh, no, it's it's important to carve out the time. And, and that's another thing that I, I have not been great about. I know I signed up for the, the blog post. And I signed in the Slack for the first time on thanksgiving i think in months and saw a bunch of messages about it and i'm like oh no i was supposed to do that so i'm going to try and get something put together and sent out soon i mean do it soon because sean seems like a nice guy but he'll hunt you down oh yes he'll hunt you down. He'll punish you. <laughs> no I, I can relate to that we can only do so much um i think even people aren't able to always follow through with all the things they'd like to do um, because I think we all have a lot of ideas that resonate with us, but there's only so many hours, like you mentioned. Um, so just do what you can. It's all that matters. Um, okay, so your PowerShell career has come a really long way. You mentioned initially writing some stupid scripts. Um, yeah. But if you were to look at where you are now, back then when you were writing stupid scripts, what would you think? Do you think that it would be possible, or? You know, what was your perspective back then compared to now? Because you've come a long way, a lot of years, a lot of uh, lessons learned, a lot of PowerShell skills acquired. What's that journey been? Um, debugging is important. Like stepping through code and not just made it here, write hosts, you know, um, actually stepping through because I think we've all had that runaway script that, oh no, what has happened? Um, 
formatting is not nearly as important as I once thought it was. Uh, oftentimes, it's just really so much easier to let VS Code format it for you. So yeah, I'll, I'll say to a point, it still needs to be readable. But readable. if you if you're using the VS Code auto formatter, then you're, you're fine. Yes. Um, although I still have to disable uh, property alignment. I can't do it, but my eyes have to go and because I have to boost text size a little bit and uh, the amount of space my eyes sometimes have to travel for these uh, hash tables. I, I just jam it together. But again, formatting, not as important so long as it's readable. Documentation, I know it's probably at the top of everybody's list and it's probably at the bottom of everyone's to-do list as well. Um, but especially with the advent of uh, Copilot and, and like tools, uh, I find myself writing more documentation purely for driving better suggestions from something like Copilot. Um, also decomposability. Uh, yeah, you start off, with scripts that have 30, 40 parameters. <laughs> and that's great. It does everything. But again, you're talking about your readability there. So breaking things down. Uh, my traditional background is .NET development. So uh, I had about 10 years in C Sharp prior to DevOps. And uh, one of the big things, I mean, they drill it into you in school and also uh, later in life, functions do one thing. Um, so that commandlet that you wrote that, you know, gathers some data and transforms it and makes you a cup of coffee and then emails the file to someone for review, that should be a dozen different things. It used to seem like an insurmountable goal to make a module. And then you realize, oh, I could just make a PSM1 if I really want to. Or I could do the full script module or binary module if I really want to go back to my C sharp roots. Um, so learning that it's, it's not rigorous, uh, go with the flow. I think that uh, planning things out too can be really helpful with being able to do that, especially when you're earlier on. Yes. Um, at least for me, that's what I found. It's like, okay, my brain, uh, one function to do everything, like you said. Mm -hmm. But I think you're talking about more of a functional programming approach where like everything kind of does one thing. Um, and if you're able to write out what you plan your module to do or what you're trying to solve and you get those functions, well, then you're able to just kind of pipe things together and it becomes a lot easier to wrap your head around things I've found. Like you can share that script with other people. They can read the names of the commands that are being ran together. It's somewhat logical. It's not this huge convoluted function with a million things going on. Especially if you want it to be supported by other people, like you can't be doing that. Sure. Yeah, it, having it be maintainable by someone other than me, uh, that's important, especially now taking more of the managerial role, a lot of the modules and scripts that I have written in the past are now being edited. And I, I got to say, I, I got a PR for uh, 
one of the, it was either a script or it may have even been a script that had to be compiled in it into an executable. I won't go into why, but um, I got a PR for it from someone from the QA team uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was so excited, elated, honestly, is, is a good word for it because someone was not only able to go back and understand, but also that they wanted to. They, they didn't just say, here, fix it. They dove in and fixed it. Um, and that was really rewarding. You kind of mentioned formatting and some other stuff, and we're kind of talking about subjects around repositories, but do you make use of a .vs code folder at all? I, I do. And I, I got to say, I bounce back and forth between .vs code and the workspace file. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, I, I'm just going to put it all in .vs code. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a workspace file because it's all of that in one. And then I, I confuse myself. No repository is the same on those two fronts. But yes, um, especially even dropping in uh, a custom script analyzer definition like the PSD one that I have defined for all PowerShell repositories at NetChecks. Oh, interesting. So you have not decided to include like a default VS Code folder in all your projects that has certain settings or recommendations? So you kind of uh, do it ad hoc? Uh, I do. I, I have a plaster definition. And, and on the occasions that I do rec uh, remember that I, I do, in fact, have that plaster definition that will build all of that for me, um, I, I'll use it. But then I'll realize, oh, well, you know, I changed my mind about this VS Code extension or this PowerShell module. Mm -hmm. um, so it it's kind of a flavor of the month. I just need to make a bunch of different versions or suffer through the plaster template uh, issue that I was just describing with a PowerShell script with far too many options and is difficult to maintain. I feel that. So you kind of mentioned Azure Durable Functions, but could you expound on it just a little bit, kind of what they are, what are some interesting uses for them, and what's durable about them? So um, Azure Functions themselves are standard, just single units of work that can run serverlessly, which we all know is not real. There is a server, but you're not maintaining that server, but you're also not maintaining all of the cruft that goes along with a full API. Um, it's just the work that you're interested in getting done. So you hear people talk about it being great for orchestrating uh, operations because you know you can make an HTTP endpoint or uh, you know some sort of event in Azure or of course all of this is in every other cloud platform pretty much. Um, but where durable comes in, that Azure durable is for things that are more stateful. So at Azure Functions, by definition, they're, they're throwaway. They're really meant to be this short-lived, stateless something that happened. Uh, 
durable functions are longer running or uh, need to maintain some sort of state um, and can do some really interesting things. So I, I mentioned getting back to my C-sharp roots. So for the first time in probably five-ish years, uh, I'm on a development team as well. That's another one of my hats is uh, being the DevOps representation on our new platform engineering team. And uh, we created a event-driven function app written in uh, .NET uh, 7 using C-sharp to uh, not only chain a bunch of events or uh, actions together, but also to fan out and back in in this process. So we can do a bunch of stateless stuff and then collect the results and then a bunch of stateless stuff with those results and then collect those results and then return the final result. Um, that's where, uh, I mean, that's the 50,000 foot view. There's a lot more intricacies I'm finding as I, I learn this. Um, but it's been amazing just seeing what else we can do with this. Um, for instance, the, uh, the second demo in my durable function CFP is uh, currently we have an Azure automation account that stops all of our team environments at a particular time and then starts them up again in the morning in time for a developer to be able to use it. Um, it's completely synchronous. It's uh, very error prone. You know, it's, I think we're up to like nine team environments, each with 10 virtual machines and maybe 15 uh, APIs that it starts and stops. Um, if something fails in that, then the environment isn't determined to be broke, uh, broken until a developer is trying to start their day. Uh, with durable functions, and what I'm gonna prepare for that demo is a brand new front end for it, which is kind of ancillary, but uh, a, an orchestrator, a durable function orchestrator that takes in that scheduled event and says, okay, here's the VMs that you need to start. Here's the APIs that you need to start. You can do all of that at the same time. Um, go do that statelessly, return back the results, and I'll record it when you're done. Uh, or, hey, this one failed. I'll let the user know that that particular piece failed, or I'll even try it again because you can do retry policies. So the code being executed in the Azure function is written in PowerShell? Uh, yes, uh, one of many languages that they have available for Azure Functions. Among that is C Sharp, uh, Python, JavaScript. I'm forgetting some other ones here, but uh, those are the the big ones yeah. that I know of. Shout out to PowerShell. Yeah, I, the thing I like about Azure Functions is they're a really great way to increase your automation, give you a point that you can call from your scripts and kind of unify things, maybe add logging, maybe do certain things in your environment, whatever it needs to be. And you can take the PowerShell skills that you've developed, add a couple of implementation details about Azure Functions and kind of go through that and, and learn that. Now you're empowered to do a whole lot more. 
Uh, on big teams solving complex problems, it's awesome. On small teams where you're trying to really implement automation in your organization and things like that, also super helpful. So I think it's a you can find a place with uh, anyone if you're not making use of functions. Absolutely. Yeah, we we heavily rely on automation accounts currently. And they're great, but they're limited in usage. Uh, it doesn't have very much compute. Um, the, the real winner is hybrid workers, the ability to have an agent on a virtual machine that is running instead of this cloudless or a serverless uh, cloud agent that a function would be running on. Uh, so those make it easier to do scripts that need to be run on a VM. Everything else, it's so much easier, faster, more efficient uh, in a function. So I've been thoroughly impressed thus far. Nice. Well, looking forward to learning some also, more about functions. Also from easier source controlling. That is right. a huge thing. Yeah, because you can define the function as just files, right? And then check it in and can manage that whole process of contributing and making sure things are good. Yep. Or even deploy straight from Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, uh, or pipelines, uh, all of the above. Yeah, there are some cool extensions in VS Code. Definitely worth checking out. So many. Oh, yeah. I think I'm up to like 200 that start with VS Code now. I need to go through and call a bunch. Yeah, at a certain point, does it become counterproductive? Like you would the, think. The amount of conflicts think. you open up for that one? or Yeah, you would think at this point, uh, usually I let it uh, an error happen before I go back and start deleting a bunch of stuff. I guess it's better to have it in, uh, for when you need it than have to go find it every time you do. I need to get better with VS Code profiles for that. What are your top three favorite current uses of AI? Wow. <laughs> um, Copilot, of course. I mean, I, I was on the, the bandwagon about as early as, as I could be on that one. Um, but immediately thereafter, of course, Azure announced their uh, implementation, uh, their close partnership with OpenAI. Um, and I got our name, uh, NetChex's name, on the waiting list for Azure OpenAI, which is a, uh, a self-hosted, essentially, OpenAI instance, all of the models that you're used to. Um, and so we stood up our own internal uh, NetChex GPT clone uh, that the company can use uh, because we discourage our employees from using ChatGPT just because we're a financial institution. Uh, we need to be very cognizant about data egress. Um, so we got out ahead of that. Um, it, the tool hasn't fully been released to the broad company yet, but it is coming. So anybody listening to this will get a little preview. Hopefully it has been released by then. Uh, but also its integration in cognitive services, the ability to ingest our own data and have that chat experience with our own data. Uh, Microsoft released their Autogen library. Granted, it's, it's Python, I know, PowerShell. And I'm not a Python guy, but I'm learning in the world of AI, 
you got to learn a little Python. Um, so we're, uh, we're trying to create these multi-agent, uh, it's a group chat of agents. Um, instead of just communicating with one, you're communicating with specialized agents that you've defined. Uh, I don't have any references in front of me, but there's been white papers that have been published that uh, show even if it is the same LLM, the fact that you have defined that system prompt differently, maybe given it some different data for each, the communication between them, because it's not just communicating directly with you and then you communicate. They talk to each other and produce a better solution in the end. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to, to see where that goes. I'm trying it. Again, trying to learn Python, so I'm a little slow. Um, but uh, I think that's that was pretty only cool. Two thus far. So it's sort of like uh, you're adding a filter, sort of on top of uh, OpenAI that just further reforms and goes through additional prompts and results in a better thing. That's pretty. I, cool. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I, maybe filters a good word. I would say specialties. Like I'm working on a setup now where it's it's a representation of a vertical slice of a product uh, software product team, uh, you know, QA developer, senior developer, product owner, uh, you know, stakeholders. All of that can be represented in this conversation. Um, you know, it, the example I think in their repository shows you how you can make a product owner that will create work items for you. Because that's the next thing that you're allowed to do with things like Langchain and, and Autogen, Autogen is that they can take action as well. So you can tell it how to interact with the Azure DevOps REST API. And in theory, it could create the work items. You give it an approval, and then it goes and makes them. Uh, nice, interesting. Yeah. Well, that doesn't that come with some risk of? I, I guess you said it goes through approval because if you give it yeah. free reign to just start building things, you might get a bloated budget one month without. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And uh, that is uh, something that you actually tell each agent. You know, uh, is it hands off? Because you can do that if you want. Or is it, hey, check in with the user. Uh, you have a user proxy agent that essentially handles the communication between you and the, the other agents. My tenuous understanding of very complex topics. But Interesting space, though. Curious to see it keep developing and yes. reducing the barrier to entry and getting some good results. So, yes. cool. All right, Jordan. I, I squeezed all the knowledge I could, and I got some great things to take with me. But Jordan, I think it's time for some hard questions. Uh, and no one's ever ready for these questions. Never. I did not send them to him two hours ago. I did not. I promise. Two hours is enough time anyway. So it's I, I, not. It's really good. not. <laughs> so are you ready for the common parameters? Go for it. Right. With what's one th what's one time something went wrong while on the job? And what did you learn from it? So uh, I got permission to tell this story from uh, one of my employees. Uh, so we're, we're in Azure. We're in Azure shop. 
And uh, if anyone's familiar, uh, all resources are housed in several layers of things, but for the, the sake of this, I'll say uh, resource groups. And you can delete a resource and you can also delete a resource group. Uh, at the time, uh, his name is Aaron Mathern, shout out to Aaron. He, uh, he was an intern and uh, he mixed up deleting resources with deleting resource groups and managed to delete an entire uh, team environment one morning. Talk wow. about uh, panic mode, uh, Microsoft Sev1 call. Uh, they were able to recover some VHDs for us, but the rest was, okay, all of this PowerShell that runs great, but really isn't idempotent uh, to create all of the resources using these ARM templates and, well, which is idempotent, but uh, you know, set up the virtual machines and, and create this AD forest and restore these databases. Uh, yeah, we need you to take all of that and uh, fix this team environment by this afternoon. Uh, and we did. We came together uh, on a swarm, which is like pair programming on steroids. Uh, and... Uh, we were able to put back an entire team environment that would normally take uh, at least a few days to put together from new. We were able to put it back in roughly a day. And uh, we do not go a week without giving him a hard time about it. Um, it it's a running joke now. Just anything goes wrong, anything goes missing. We ask Aaron if he deleted it. Um, the funny part of all of that too, is the very next week, um, we offered him a, his full-time position. As, wow. I was going to say, cause you said he was an intern at the time. He was an intern at the time. And the very next week, um, because we saw that he not only just clammed up, he stepped in, he helped fix it and he learned from it. Uh, so that's the big one. Ownership of your mistakes yes. looks really good. I mean, the ideal is never make a mistake, but that's not realistic. But when you do make a mistake, ownership of it makes everything look better. It's not just little Bobby tables. I think we've all had our, oh no, I just dropped a table in production moment. But it's how you respond to that. You know, what are you going to do? You messed up. What now? Yep. It's a good perspective. Yeah. All right, you ready for number two? I'm ready. Everything you know now, which we just learned, it's a lot. What's one bit of advice you'd like to go back and uh, tell your younger self? Uh, so I did ask my, I, I was uh, getting the assistance of my team this morning on DSM uh, with some of these questions. What is DSM? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, daily stand up meeting. Oh, okay. Just or gotcha. so an agile process. Some call it uh, daily stand-up meeting. Daily stand-up. I forget what else they. It, to me, it's it's that. Right, it's, like a basic meeting to touch base. It's once a half hour. Working. What you did yesterday. What are you doing today? What are you blocked on? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so uh, the first one immediately was 
it really is always DNS. Um, I, I wish I remembered the uh, the poem. Uh, I know uh, if there's a uh, a famous poem about DNS. It's like it it's not DNS. It can't be DNS. It was oh, yeah. DNS. Um, oh, the haiku, yeah. The haiku. Thank you. I could not think of that word. Um, and then also, never fix a printer slash always feigning ignorance uh, around family members about IT. That's an important one. Yes. Um, I have a, a actually, Reese, it's probably once a month that I feel like he's going and fixing one of his relatives printers. So uh, that's a big one. But also in all seriousness, um, knowing what you don't know and knowing that that is okay. It really is. Don't be upset about that. No, no one expects you to know things that you're just learning. And it's okay. Yeah, the, the big one with, with not knowing is how you communicate it. I don't know when you just want it to drop there. looks bad. I don't know this, but I'm happy to go learn it. looks great. So it, it's, it's okay to not know things, but you just want to make sure that you're communicating that you're happy to go and learn it and continue the process, not that that's the end of the discussion. And also not pretending that you know it. And then, So common. Yeah. It's, it's going to be okay. Take a beat, read some docs, RTFM, which does not have happen often enough. Uh, or I think the her, uh, the next uh, the new one is uh, JFGI. Just Google it. It seems uh, fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's somebody out there knows it. It's okay if you don't know it. Um, but I like, uh, like, I, I'm a very handsy guy too. I build things on the side. I have a shed full of tools that are very dangerous to my personal health. Um, but I liken this career to my toolbox. I always want to learn something because that's another tool in my toolbox that I can pull out later, probably dust the rust off of it. And I, I have something for the job. So. I can vouch for that. The, your backpack was uh, like the all-encompassing all tool to everything. Does anyone have a... And the answer was yes. And it was it was you. You had it. Yes. I uh, I never was a Boy Scout, but I, I take that mentality. I feel like I even mentioned that in the, the bar uh, session. I never was a Boy Scout, but I am always prepared. And the one time I don't have something... Like at conference, I, I, I took my uh, Bluetooth remote, presenter remote, out of my bag. And I'm like, I'm not going to need it. And lo and behold, I give a lightning session that I could have used it. Or someone in their session was like, mine's broken. Does ever, anyone have one? And I'm sitting down like, I did. See, that's it. Most people are like, no, and that's enough. But you're like, I can't believe I don't have one. I have it at home. <laughs> I know where it is. All right. Last common parameter. This one is by far the most difficult. I How also you... just got the joke, though. 
<laughs> I just got the joke, and that is fantastic. <laughs> I'm slow. I'll get there. What are your three favorite modules? So um, I'll I'll I had it down to six, and and I'll explain why two hours wasn't enough time to answer these questions is because an hour and 45 minutes of those two hours was actually spent writing a PowerShell script that read all of my PowerShell transcripts and then tried to rank the modules I had installed based on usage. <laughs> you can't automate the common parameters. <laughs> I tried. Um, however, so I'll, I'll exclude the, the obvious uh, Azure PowerShell and Microsoft Graph. Uh, those are two that I use on a daily basis, and people in the company use my scripts that use those on a daily basis. Um, console GUI tools, the the Microsoft PowerShell console GUI tools, um, I know about are that. Amazing, yeah, I love those. Yeah, you gave the the GUI talk, uh, yeah, last year. GUI, but yes, what's that? Like that's how I swap between my Azure CLI subscriptions, Azure PowerShell subscriptions. It just opened, I wrote a function that opens that up and I choose which one. Nice. Uh, we mentioned PowerShell AI already. Um, Burnt Toast is a really great one for notifications. And the last one that I have to mention uh, is, and I'm going to preface this by saying, do not, if you don't know what this is, do not Google just the name of the module. It's NSFW. However, the module name is VS Team. All one word, but add PowerShell on the end of the Google search or go straight to PowerShell Gallery. It is the Azure DevOps REST API PowerShell module. Oh, very cool. And that one has saved my bacon so many times. Um, you know, hey, we need you to make this minor change to 30 pipelines. All yeah. right. They're YAML, right? No, they're classic. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to download the JSON, change it and then re-upload it. Um, you know, I make full groomed features uh, with user stories and tasks and details in it uh, based on a YAML file feeding into this module. It is a superpower for sure if you deal with Azure DevOps at all. Link in show notes, that's a great uh, suggestion there. Yeah. yeah well, we'll make sure there's a link directly to it so people don't have to yes. risk the Googling. Yes. Yep. Google it, it on your Google it on your personal machine if you <laughs> must, on your own yes. time, <laughs> and then don't blame me with the results. <laughs> yep. Just link in show notes, everybody. We got you. That's it. All right. Well, I'm sure you're well, Kevin, but you have been in the presence of a true legend, a, a person who has mastered a craft to the point that the first ever superhero comic was they're trying to capture the essence of Andrew and failed because he's just too great. They try. He is magnanimous. I like it. But we get a front row seat 
for him to spin a shield the likes of which no one has ever seen before. And we're going to be better for it. Take it away, Andrew. Let's go. Yes. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for listening to us. We were here. We're here every week. We love you. We love the community. Give us a like, comment, subscribe, or a comment if you're on YouTube. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Or you can even listen to us on your podcast platform of choice. If they have a heart, click the heart. Do whatever you got to do. We appreciate your support. And if you're listening this long, you're a true a true friend of the podcast. And frankly, we really value your support if you've listened to the whole episode. So check out the show notes. Please give us some podcast feedback. We would greatly appreciate it. I'm Andrew Pla. He's Jordan Hammond. You can find us on the internet. We're on LinkedIn, Mastodon, Twitter, all kinds of different places. You can check us out here on the PowerShell podcast every single week. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. I know our viewers are going to be moved and want to check in with you, see what you're up to. Where can people find you on this internet that we all uh, love and enjoy? So uh, I'm, I'm in the camp of pretty much just LinkedIn right now. Um, Perfect. That's that's the only place I I left Twitter after uh, DevOps teams were let go from Twitter. So mm-hmm. that was my stand. Um, it's but it's yeah. kind of dead over there right now. So yeah, I think LinkedIn is kind of where it's at from what I've seen from people these days. That and uh, Discord as well. Discord, yeah, Discord for sure. Great one. That's where we talk mostly. That's it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, it has been a pleasure. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.